A reading from Exodus chapter 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know. I do not know the Lord and will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. The Israelite rulers, overseers, realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now Joe's going to come and speak to us. Thank you, Joe. Let's pray. Heavenly Daddy. Let these words that come now be yours and not mine. Speak to each of us individually where we are at, as if it is aimed just at us. Give us ears to hear what you want to say, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. So, Christian life is not easy. And anyone who tells you that being a Christian is easy is telling porky pies. But the end result will be far more than we could ever dream or imagine. So keep going. Basically, that is this talk in a complete nutshell. You can now completely tune out as long as you remember the Christian life isn't easy, but it will be totally worth it. Keep going. At the end of chapter four, um, 
the Israelite leaders met with Moses and Aaron and they'd heard Moses and Aaron's message from God that God loved them and that he was going to rescue them and they went, thank you, brilliant. They believed, they praised God and they worshipped. They thought, hey, we're leaving Egypt, I'm off to pack. And they thought they were done. Their early conviction... I'm just going to move myself. Is that slightly less echo? That's better. Um... They thought 400 years of pain and suffering, it's over, it's sorted, we're done deal. Their conviction and their worship early on vanished. The moment hardship came, which is what happens in this passage, their conviction left. And so often that happens. People come to Christ, go, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Oh, and off they go. Um, And this is what we discover in chapter 5. Now, Moses and Aaron have met with Yahweh. They'd met with the God of the Hebrews. They'd met with the almighty God, burning bush. It'd been amazing. They'd seen miraculous signs. They went in to Pharaoh thinking, we'll tell Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh will go, oh, that's a really good idea. And then we'll go and it'll be sorted. Um, But Pharaoh, quite understandably, didn't. Now there is a power in a name. If there was someone, randomly, in the middle of the night, hammering on my door, my front door, middle of the night, just waking up, going, going, let me in, let me in, I'm probably going to go, no, I don't know who you are. If they're suddenly going, it's Colin, let me in, let me in, I'm going to go, of course, I'm going to fling open the door and then start chastising him for why he's banging on the door in the middle of the night without a key. But nevertheless, there's power in a name. If you know someone, if you know a name, if you've had experience of it, you react accordingly. Just the other day in school, my colleague was dealing with a student who was um, misbehaving. She was refusing to comply with the very clear and simple instructions she'd been given. And my colleague was talking to her outside the classroom and eventually she said, fine, we'll go and get Mrs Harbage. The student started to cry and suddenly became far more compliant. Um, If you know the name, if you've encountered it, you respond accordingly. And clearly I induced tears and crying from students. Um, so you can sort of understand Pharaoh's reaction when he's told that the God of the Hebrews is demanding that he allow all of his slaves a three-day break from work. Pharaoh went, no. He worshipped various different gods. He was raised to believe that he was a god, but he's never come across the God of the Hebrews. He's never encountered Yahweh. Who is this Lord that I should obey him? Without doubt, by the end of the chapbook of Exodus, Pharaoh knows exactly who the God of the Hebrews is, and the Israelites all know exactly who the God of the Hebrews is. But Pharaoh wanted proof, and so often that's what we want. We're constantly wanting proof that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do. We want that continuous reassurance, but trust doesn't quite work like that. God was setting up a showdown that would reveal his name, that would reveal the power that went with his name. Pharaoh presented God as a liar, that this promise of liberation was false hope. Pharaoh wanted to make it very clear that he and he alone ruled in Egypt. And he and he alone would decide what happened. God was saying the people of Israel should go and rest. Pharaoh was saying they should work and they should work harder. Worship, work, worship, work. As a teacher, it's a continuous dilemma over what I should be doing. I would imagine in a lot of jobs it is. 
Slight aside, I was intrigued. Why did Moses, who clearly wanted the Israelites to be free and to go into the promised land, go and just ask for a three-day festival in the wilderness? Um, And I was reading Tim Chester's book, which Pad's lent me, which is very good. Um, Was it just Moses trying a sneaky way to get them out? It's like, well, we'll see, we're going three days and then we'll never come back. But actually, apparently, according to Chester, the request reflects typical Near Eastern ways of bargaining. Apparently that was just the the societal way they did things at the time, which I found really interesting, so I thought I'd share it. Um, The initial demand is made and then increased, but from the beginning they both knew what they were debating, they both knew what they were arguing. And it's interesting, it's a battle about Israel's heart. It's It's a battle about where they live and their freedom, but it's very much about the heart of Israel. Who do they believe? Who do they follow? Who is their master? Three times in verse 15 later on, which we didn't actually read, the Israelites go to Pharaoh and go, it's not fair, extra straw and all that jazz. Um, And they say to Pharaoh that they are his servants, that they worship him, that they will obey him, they'll do whatever they want. And it takes a while to change that mindset. Who do we worship? Who do we obey? Who who do we follow? Um, Ultimately... Who we work for is the person we work, worship. And I'm not saying I worship Mr. Fry, the head teacher of the Willing School, or you worship your bosses. It's a case of who in your heart, who do you want to please through your work? Whose approval are you seeking again and again? Or whose disapproval are you desperately trying not to lose? Is it your boss? Is it your friends? Is it your spouse, your parents, yourself, or God's? If you think about who is it you fear when you fail? Who is it you fear to let down? Who is it you're tempted to lie or exaggerate in order to impress? Who is it whose disappointment makes you feel absolutely crushed? That kind of indicates who do we truly worship. And in the case of this passage, the Israelites were having that dilemma. They had to sort of Who did they worship? Was it Pharaoh and his rules or was it Yahweh? God is so much more faithful than anyone we could ever on earth try and follow and worship. He is so much more reliable and he wants so much more for us. He wants us to be more fully alive, more fully real, more fully ourselves, who he created us to be. The end result when we worship and we follow God is so much more than we could ever possibly imagine. And actually, see, these are some of the issues we're addressing in the Freedom in Christ course. I'm sure if you haven't come along, please feel free to. There's great cake as well, Wednesday evenings. Anyway, back to the passage. Um, Pharaoh was angered. He was really angered. Imagine a big bully dressed in fancy clothes. He was angered at the nerve of Moses and Aaron's request. And he decided to make life so much harder for the Israelites believing that they were clearly lazy if they wanted a three-day holiday. How dare they want a little break in the desert? Um, And so he sent a message to the slave drivers who passed it on to the Israelite overseers that they needed to make more straw. And like all bullies, he very clearly put the blame on the Israelites. It's their fault. They're lazy. They clearly need to work harder. Um, So off they go. They have to collect straw. And that's a huge job. 
the brick quota was already pretty huge. They're building the giant pyramids and the palaces of Egypt. If you go to Egypt, you can see. Colin, I'd really like to go to Egypt and see these things. Um, that's what they're doing. And then suddenly, half their workforce has got to go off, find all the straw, gather the straw, bring it back, and still make the same number of bricks. That is absolutely back-breaking work. That is even longer hours. And suddenly, that enthusiasm, that hope, that confidence they had had in God, in his promises, gone. And instantly, they're turning on Moses and Aaron. They're not even talking to God and going, God, this isn't fair. They just go, Moses and Aaron, this is your fault. The real disappointment in this passage isn't the way Pharaoh reacted. He believed he was a God. It's kind of what you expect. The disappointment is Israel's reaction. If you don't know the Lord, then you won't trust the Lord. And you can't work out what he's doing when his plans don't match our plans. And instead, we complain. Just as Israel did, and oh boy, did they complain. This is such a challenge for my life. When hardship comes, when things don't work the way I want them to, what do I do? Do I just go around my friends and go, oh, it's not fair, you've not, oh, you Or do I react differently? How do we react when things don't go the way we want or expect? Do we whinge or even turn away? Or do we hold on to the truths he promises us? Do we choose to trust? And I totally get that. It's so much easier said than done. Even Moses complained, but he at least directed his complaint straight at God. Moses questioned what God's names mean, suggesting that actually God's name just meant trouble. Moses wanted a quick fix, like sill it bang. He thought bang and Egypt will be gone. Doesn't work like that. The delay in the fulfilment of God's promises reveals his people's hearts. When we're promised blessing, they were excited. But the moment they realised they were in trouble, they began to complain. Delay tests them. And it does to us every single day. We're not living in the true fulfilment of what's coming. We won't get there till we get to heaven and it's going to be awesome when we do. Life's hard. It keeps going and it keeps being hard. And the delay in what we hope for, the delay in what is promised, that's where we are refined, like in that song. That's where we're truly shaped into who we are. God promises that we will be whole. He promises us that we will be free. He promises us that we will be fulfilled, truly fulfilled to advance his kingdom. And delay and hardship reveals the affections of our hearts. Do we love the blessings of Christ more than we love Christ himself? Crikey, that's some soul searching. Do we trust God when he gives us what he wants, but not when the trouble comes? which means we don't really trust him at all because it's easy to trust someone when everything's going smoothly. When this happens, it's a case of lifting our eyes up, lifting our eyes up to the cross, to Jesus, to his sacrifice, to his suffering and to his love, to see good working from evil, to see his love and his commitment to us. God loves us so much that he gave his son And when we do that, our affections are rearranged so that we do love him and we do trust him. When we we praise, when we focus on God, it shifts 
our attitudes are no longer we go, but we're grateful for what we've got. We, we complain less. When we worship God and when we honour God, our perspective changes. When we get out there when we really don't want to, when we just want to stay at home and go on the sofa and watch box sets, and we actually go out and we make shoeboxes. When we serve people, when we, we're shifting our perspective, we're focusing on Jesus, we're praising him no matter what. No matter what we're going through, let's be praising God. Let's praise him when we win and praise him when we lose. He is worthy of all praise and honour, no matter what. And we can see that through the book of Exodus. And we can keep seeing it throughout history. Let's keep praising him, because he is faithful. And it may not have seen it in chapter 5 of Exodus, but by the end of the book of Exodus, they knew what God could do. Pharaoh knew the power of God's name. So, a couple of takeaway thoughts. Um, One, when we obey God, things get harder, not better. How do we react? What does it suggest about our affections? Let's lift our eyes to the hills. Let's be praising our God no matter what. Secondly, let's be lifting God's name high because it is the only one that can part the seas. It's the only ones that can lift us from the pits. It's the only name that can genuinely make a difference in our lives. And finally, who do we worship? Let's go out this week and let's worship the loving creator of all, the person who loves us so much that he died and would have died just for us. Let's, let's learn from the mistakes of the um, Israelites and let's go out and praise God no matter what. Let's pray. Heavenly Daddy, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you will never give up on us. Thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us lift our eyes up to you. Help us praise you no matter what. And help us to put you at the centre of our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.